From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is a bonus episode of our weekly segment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. We typically air Green Tagged every Monday, and Green Tagged is our weekly commentary show where we break down the news and discuss why it matters to your haunt. Of course, we're still airing Green Tagged episodes, but since our Hauntathon is currently happening, this is going to be treated as a bonus episode. Check your feed for today's regular Hauntathon episode. Anyway, here is Scott Swenson and I with this week's installment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. From our studios in Orlando and Tampa, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30 Halloween Special! (laughs) 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 Happy Halloween, Scott. Are we done now? (laughs) Yeah, we're done. We're done. Okay. (laughs) Yay! Yay! I have to find my. Oh, I just realized for the audio listeners, you have no idea what just happened. But uh, Scott came in with a mask. On. I was growling. I was I was trying to give you something from an audio standpoint. Anyway. Perfect. It's Perfect. the Halloween okay. special. It's the Halloween special. I have my um, my spooky Halloween pail. Yes, it's and it's like a real ghost because in a white room we can barely see it, so that's perfect. I don't... Put it over my face. Um, there's a happy ghost and a sad ghost. It's more like a disconcert, like a constipated ghost. It is. is so it I is like the, yeah, got a poop ghost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Which is really what you have to do after eating these McDonald's meals, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> It's Halloween, so we're, we're crazy and wacky. Look, another episode where we're not really following our own format. I know. I was going to say, so before I have to poop, let's get to this episode. I don't know what's happening. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's Halloween. I don't well, know. Philip has like. clearly had way too much trick-or-treat candy. He's, uh, he's gone through the gone off the deep end. He's crazy. What are we talking about today? I forgot. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been doing – so you've been doing Halloween from one end, and I've been doing Halloween from the other end. It's uh, you, you've, been, you've been reporting on everything, and I've just been opening a bunch of stuff. So uh, you've got a bunch of takeaways from so many of the the haunted attractions that, that you've covered, and uh, it's a Halloween sandwich. It, it, it uh, something's getting sandwiched. Is, is it pumpkin spice? I don't know. <laughs> pumpkin spice. <laughs> I have a pumpkin spice candle. Got <laughs> all these props. Not my favorite. Oh no, we haven't even started with props. There are so many props just oh, outside of this where you have no idea what you're about to say. So, so we're talking about Halloween takeaways, right? And because you've opened a bunch of events. So, Scott, talk to us about the events. Give us your takeaways. What's well, going on? I, so generally speaking, for me, from my limited perspective, and I will say that it, I call it a limited perspective simply because when you're opening, you know, I've been involved in seven different Halloween events this season. And some of them I've been on property with. Some of them I've trained. Some of them I continue to go back and check in on. Some of them I'm there every night. So I have a different level of connection with these many Halloween experiences. So based on my, but but that said, I don't have the time to go out and experience other Halloween um, as much as I would certainly like to, um, because I love Halloween events. And uh, so I don't get the chance to go out and, and see other people's work. I don't, as much as I would, as much as I should, to be completely mm-hmm. honest. Um, but it's just with with seven different things, you know, seven different balls in the air, it's a little tricky to, to make that all happen. So my perspective of the haunt season this year is first and foremost, um, from what I'm seeing, Halloween is back, um, and 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 back. People are coming out to do stuff. Um, I am seeing it from the standpoint of guests are diving into family friendly experiences. 
guests are diving into unique experiences that they may have heard about before but never really done. And we are also getting, uh, I'm seeing a lot of return visitation. So um, my takeaway from that would be make certain that you are uh, continuing to, to change things and make things evolve so that you can keep that return visitation coming in. Now, not necessarily evolving throughout the course of the season, but definitely evolving year to year to year um, because we can't continue to just redo what we were planning on doing pre-COVID. That, that ship has sailed. Um, but I think the, it's clear that the audience is there and they're willing to come out and they're, and they're willing to pay. So we have to be prepared for that um, to make certain that we are giving them something worthwhile uh, that they're going to be willing to come see. I, I actually don't know about that. I, I, I have heard mixed, um, mixed reports. Uh, and actually in some of the events I've visited and in some of the reporting we've done, I've heard mixed reports, you know, Halloween is, is, um, we've been talking about that kind of time creep where it's been starting a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. I've heard that kind of mixed reports about September, October. I think everybody is at least at their 2019 numbers, uh, most of the people I've talked to, they're doing pretty good. But in September, we kind of had a mixed bag where if you had the, a larger brand or if you, I don't, I don't know a nice way to put this, but basically if you are targeting people who are more impacted by inflation, like the you know lower socioeconomic level, then your numbers in September were not as good. Basically, if you're in an area that's impacted higher, and I think the straight line is is right across for that. But if you were a big brand, like obviously Disney was doing fine because they sold out their hauling parties on both coasts, and that started in August. Mm -hmm. And Universal sold out opening weekend in September, September second. So obviously, you know the big brands, but a lot of the smaller attractions and the budget attractions really, I've heard, didn't do nearly as well as they thought in September. And uh, then even the first week or two in October were kind of slow goings. But then there's also staff problems. I mean, there's also there, there's it's well, kind we, of like a mixed bag. Yeah, of we won't even get into the staffing yet. We'll get that. That's a whole nother yeah. takeaway. That's a whole nother takeaway. Um, yeah. Well, like I said, that's why I gave the caveat at the very beginning um, that from my limited perspective, uh, although my limited perspective uh, does cover uh, one, two, three, four different states. Um, yeah. So, but they also are either incredibly family-friendly events or um, unique and and terrifying. Uh, yeah. So uh, that does not fall into the category that you just mentioned of the the yeah. The, the, and you have a premium. I mean, you have pre, uh, you have either family or you have premium experiences. Right? I mean, yeah. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, a couple couple. We're not, you're not seeing yeah. anything like budget budgets. When I say budget, I mean like fifteen dollars or less. Type. Like, yeah. like I mean like a, a smaller haunt that is like in just the haunt, small single attraction type of home, thing. Home Their sales are down. Home haunt trying to monetize. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Their their numbers have been down. Well, and I think there no, that makes sense simply because, from my perspective, um, those are the what are we going to do for Halloween, and the family or the premium events are what are we going to do that's going to oh it's it's time to go back to such and such again this year. Let's go early so we don't have to fight the crowds. Yeah, and I also think the perceived value too is a big piece of it. Right, you know, you again an elegant evening of fear. It's a whole evening, right? Versus like. You know, if, if it's a single linear attraction that takes 30 minutes, but it costs $30, right. that dollar a minute ratio, I'm not sure is really right. doing well, well this year. And the family friendly things like, like, um, 
Zubu at Indianapolis Zoo or Creatures of the Night at Zoo Tampa, um, they are they are again full afternoons uh, into yes. evenings. It's a long time. Yeah, it's a long, long event. Yeah, it's a big event, and it's they've they've got you know both of them have significantly more uh, engagement touch points than they've ever had before because we were anticipating that there were going to be more crowds, and you know um, we we really focused on uh, giving those crowds things to do versus things to look at. So. Um, so that I, to your point that, that is a, although it's not a budget, it is a value style event. And even, you know, even the vault of souls, even a, an evening of elegant fear is not budget by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it's a high end event. You know, it's the only, it's the only haunt I've ever worked in that has hand passed hors d'oeuvres. So, you know, there is, there is something to be said for that. Um, and valet parking, you know, uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. so it, there is something to be said for that, that that is something that targets a specific demographic and, those numbers have not been hurting at all. Um, yeah. And it's also the business model for, for that one is very limited number of guests. It sells out very quickly because there is limited number of guests per hour. And the zoo is doing well, like we said, because it's a, it's a, it, the perception of value is that they have a full day with the family. Yeah. Well, while we're discussing a little bit about the Vault of Souls, I do want to talk about some takeaways from a similar event. Um, it's almost like, um, I feel like it's like Scott's like evil twin brother over and the opposite end of the country. In San Francisco, there's an event called Terror Vault, which is an immersive experience and at a historic bank vault. Philip? What year did they open, Philip? Did they beat us or did we beat them? No, I'm kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm actually not sure. Um, I think you beat them, but I'm not, Don't nobody quote me on that. Um, yeah. Anyway, so... It is a different style. I mean, it, it's the same concept in that it's at a historic bank vault and that they do utilize the vault and there is multiple levels to the situation. But there you you start off in a cocktail lounge as well. <laughs> then you go under for a show into the vault. But their show is a linear kind of immersive, like, like a... a there's no choose your own aspect to it, right? There's no like a, a free form component. It is a linear story, like beat experience. Like there's like DMX show beats. So, so it's kind of on, on a schedule like that. So it, it, it's a linear show like that. But some of their, some of the interesting takeaways I thought from them is that they being in San Francisco this year, they kind of took a, a hard left turn with the content, uh, kind of making it very, Maybe not very political, but it definitely has political moments to it. Then they say that's played very well. Um, but again, San Francisco, right? It's kind of like they're they're playing into that. It's also, it's a very queer show. One of the producers is a pretty infamous drag queen. So they kind of lean into that and just kind of really lean into that content to just make it very campy and queer and musical. And, you know, there are some jump scares, but it's very, that's why I thought that was a, we talk about that too. We talk about making kind of statements and, and, and the line of too far and where it is and whatnot. So that was an interesting takeaway that they found success with it in, in that market. Um, also this year they added party vaults as a velvet rope, which I thought was a fantastic concept because it's something Scott mentioned where Scott, I don't remember the context. Remember when you said like, you never run out of tours because you'll, right. you know, you'll just take an actor and put them on a tour. Right. Like that's, you know, because it, it's worth it, worth it's worth their time. And that's what they did with the party vaults. You could buy out a full 
vault and have it be your dedicated vault, but it comes with an actor concierge who like entertains you and takes care of you the whole night. And is a, like a vampire that's in character. And I'm like, that is perfect. That's a great, a great way to upsell an event to make sure the guests are happy and having fun, taking pictures, doing a bunch of improv all night. That's a great thing. And to add something that is a new appeal to a higher demographic. So yeah. a higher financial demographic. So that, yeah. uh, I think that's, I think that's great. It's, it's the, it's the studio 54 slash um, Las Vegas concept. Studio 54 took their grungy CD basement and turned it into the hotspot where only the ultimate VIPs can get into. Um, and you know, Las Vegas always has another velvet rope that you can cross. No matter how much of a high roller you are, there's always going to be a place you can't go until you hit the next level. And I swear to God, they just keep trying to find what is that next level. So, uh, and, and quite often I will hear pushback to this particular suggestion, this, this velvet rope suggestion. And my response to them, because they'll say, well, not everybody can experience it. And I'm kind of like, that's the point. That's the point. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Like so look at aspirational quality to that's literally all of Apple's business model. <laughs> right. Right. So there's an aspirational quality to, we can't, not everybody can do this, but boy, I wish we could. Let's talk to somebody who did it and, and live vicariously. Yeah. Uh, there's also the last thing I thought was really interesting they did is because they have taken the show, it, it's very adult. Um, this year, they've they've extended their operating hours to offer matinees where they have gone in and rated, basically made a PG-13 version of the show for the matinee. And then they have their R-rated as usual in the evenings, but certain days are uh, PG-13. And that kind of dovetails with some of the other things I'm seeing with other people, which dovetails also with family-friendly thing. Mm -hmm. We see Shacktoberfest, their whole model is built in where during the day, all of the quote-unquote haunts are trick-or-treat trails and all the actors are in friendly versions of their nighttime costumes. So you're seeing that built into the business model from the get-go on there. But you're also seeing stuff like Erebus, who is doing like no scare, like evenings or no scare uh, tour experiences. Um, you, you're, I think you're just seeing this a lot more and it dovetails with what Scott was saying about family friendly. And I just want to say that for years and years, those of you who've been listening to either this show or, or Scott in the Dark, my, my Halloween podcast, you've heard me or even read some of my books. You've heard me say, don't try to be both. In the past, you've heard me say, don't try to be both family friendly and non-family friendly. Because in that market, back when I said that originally, um, it was too difficult to communicate that. And it created a whole marketing challenge. Um, now, I think because people are uh, constantly connected and uh, constantly able to get new information, uh, I think that the stumble into a non-scary, if you're expecting something scary, is significantly less likely to happen. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, even with things as basic as as uh, uh, ticketing, you know, uh, ticketing on your phone, um, which again, very commonplace now, but it, you can blast messages across this will this is the pg rated or the r rated to come back here or this is the family friendly trick-or-treat walkthrough um you're so i i think that the the challenge in doing it in the past it has was always communication so that you didn't accidentally walk your children into something that was going to put them in therapy and you didn't accidentally walk the the drunk people on their first date who wanted to be scared poopless uh into a trick-or-treat trail so I think that was always the challenge before was the communication of what is the brand. 
Um, I still wonder how, and I'm going to ask you, Philip, because I know you experienced it, with, with Shocktoberfest, um, how, what, was, the, was there brand confusion because they did it that way? Um, I actually, I don't know um, because we were there on the VAP night, right? So you're always kind of taking that with a grain of salt. Sure. Like, you know, how, like, you know, um, I didn't think so. so the, the, the families that we saw, um, it was pretty clear, you know, like it, basically once it got dark, um, on, on, so so basically the premise was during the day you got given trick-or-treat bags and you could go and trick-or-treat through the little the mini haunts during the day and all the actors were friendly but then when it gets dark there's a big opening ceremony thing on the stage where Shaq comes out in um on a you know projection and kind of opens the witching hour and that's when things and and it's pretty different and you know because there's there's actors right at the front like as in there's there you know the there's people right at the front that will let you know that it's the the scarier version mm -hmm. right so and and there were some families that i saw where they did like tell the parents to make sure they're like well you know it's like scary in there now like it's not you know so they were like so they, they were i think they, they were trying to warn people as well when they thought it was appropriate like they didn't tell us because we were adults right and we were media but they did tell regular families with younger kids that it was a scarier version right and i didn't see anybody that was confused i mean it's because also it's pretty clear because the show lighting comes on so it like it looks different the actors are dressed differently. The whole vibe is different. There's no candy. I mean, it's very, it's very different. Yeah, I, I, I get the, I get the guest experience switchover. I'm just curious about the the brand communication. Um, so whether people think, do people think that because it's a family friendly thing during the day, it clearly won't be scary enough at night, or because it's a scary thing at night, it's not going to be nearly family friendly enough during the day? Is there any sort of of, of brand crossover confusion there? I, again, I don't think so, but I don't, I also don't think you're, I don't think based on the marketing and on the brand that you're expecting it to be like the level of universal. Okay. I think you're expecting it to be like a, eh, I want to say like Disney adjacent. So they've like got, a little so bit. They found that, they found that, that sweet spot again. Yeah. Um, because it's very campy in, in all the, all the marketing and all the, you know, thing, it's very like campy. He's like, my minions are coming out. Like, it's not cause he, like, he's still a human. Like it's just, it's not, um, the same, you know, target as, as one that's going completely, you know, extreme. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that, that, uh, you know, that many of the, of the Cedar fair parks will do that sort of kickoff to the night. They'll do yeah. a kickoff show that has lots of fire and usually an appearance by one of the previous icons and then um, one of the newer icons or whatever. And so, you know, this is where it starts to get scary. I know SeaWorld San Antonio used to do it that way too. Um, now they've shifted to, you know, doing, uh, to doing a Hello Scream model. But uh, I was just, I was just curious, especially for a new event to see if their brand was, we're everything to everyone, which to me is, is risky. Um, yeah. I'm not going to say impossible. But I'm going to say risky because, like, for example, if Disney were all were all of a sudden to come out with something that was terrifying and and uh, you know wretched and blood filled, um, there would be a huge pushback and and, a, and yeah. brand dissonance there. So, 
Well, we know they, they tried that in Hong Kong and it didn't work. Right. <laughs> so we know right. it didn't work. Right. But I, I, I will say that's another thing I wanted to mention as a takeaway specifically of Shacktoberfest is that um, I think part of what helped with that whole arrangement is that it's not a licensing deal. And I didn't realize this until I interviewed Chris over there at the team. So, because I thought, I guess just looking at it, I kind of thought that it was like Shaq was like licensing his name to a Halloween event, basically that the producers were producing. It's not that at all. It, it It's a true partnership. Like, it's it's Shaq's event. Like like he wanted to do a Halloween event, and then he got um, producers to help him produce the event. So it's not a licensing deal. So because of that, his team was involved directly in the branding, and so they they were involved in like every step of the creative, every step of the branding, even down to not releasing video really of the event until he was there to approve the commercials. Like, I mean, every, like he, like they, his team wanted to approve everything and want to make sure that that vibe, the feeling mm-hmm. of it being a family event that was a little bit trickster, but not too over the top, like that feeling was intact Good. through all the marketing. And I think that's what made it possible to your point is that kind of like keeping that. Yeah. So you can go from family friendly to something really scary, you know, family yes. friendly, really scary. Without any problems at all. Got it. So to make sure. For those of you who for those of you who are just listening, go back and watch the video. You'll see that I used a visual aid to help explain my concept. Uh, so, so that was uh, so good. I'm glad to hear that that they were able to and I love the fact that um, you know, when you mentioned partnership, anytime you're working with an IP brand, um, and, and and let's face it, Shaq is an IP brand. Um, anytime you're working with an IP brand, it's essential to to make certain that you're throughout the process working with them, uh, not just taking liberties and licenses wherever you want. Uh, Universal, like I remember back in the day when they did uh, Universal Orlando, did um, uh, American Werewolf in London. Uh, they did a haunt based on that. And the, the final approval came from John Landis. So John Landis actually walked through, approved the, the puppets, approved the, 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 the story that they were trying to tell, and everything. So, and it was probably one of my favorite haunted attractions mm-hmm. that that Universal has ever done. So it is it is essential to make certain that the IP is not just um, slapped up there, but that it's actually represented at the core level. And and I know that's you're going to say, oh Scott, you're being too way too like creatively uh, protective. But the truth of the matter is, guests who are going to embrace the IP will see all the cracks if it's not right. So um, that kind of partnership, I think, is great, and it, it leads to uh, a more successful overall product. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I was I was hoping that yeah. was the case. Yeah, and and yeah, it, it was also too. And I'm talking to Chris about it as well. It was never intended to be a scary event because he said it was designed for a whole family. Where you know, because typically he's like in a, in a regular family, you're going to get. And though the the husband or wife or you know, one of the kids or somebody is not going to want to go through horror nights or you know, they're not going to when it, you you can't take a, a full family to some of the events because mm-hmm. they're too scary mm-hmm. and then they don't have anything to do right so it was from its inception it was designed to provide something for everyone to do and also if the kids that want to go through the scare mazes go through the scare mazes well then the parents can hang out at the food carts or can watch the entertainment watch the shows it's meant to have that whole thing uh, to be able to 
provide that entertainment for the full for the full family unit. And and a lot of people will think that if they do something family friendly, they're doing that. But then you run into the opposite problem, not the ones who are the things that are too scary, but you have the eye rolling twelve year olds who are yes. sort of like, "This is lame. This is stupid. Let's go do something else." So I'm. This, it sounds like they're they're getting closer and closer to that sweet spot because it's a hard thing to find. And uh, if they've if they've been able to to tap into that, I think that's great. Yes. Let's see. Other takeaways I had um, while we're on 13th floor, I guess, is uh, over Delusion, which 13th floor also bought a few years ago, three years ago, two years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in our interview with Delusion, we talked a little bit about that, but he talked about kind of the concept of extending that into film, which I think is, you know, we, we again, interesting. We always talk about how you're writing your stories and, and you, you want to create that story world. And basically he says, well, we spent all this effort writing a script and doing all of this work. We might as well make a, a film version of it. And last week we talked about the whole concept of the POVs and the walkthrough and kind of making it an entertaining experience. This kind of seems to me like the natural extension. Like if you've already written the script, you've already, you already have the set, you've already created this why not turn it into a TV episode that is made for TV? That is like script, you know, redo it so that it's scripted for TV. And uh, that is what they're looking at, apparently what they're looking at for the future of creating IP where you can go and watch the episodes and then just the Disney model. They're basically right. trying to recreate more of the Disney model. Right. Yeah, I, I think that makes total sense. You know, that's that's been discussed even even back in the Bush Gardens days, um, the very early haunt with with Hell of Scream at Bush Gardens Tampa um, was a haunt uh, that was called After Hours, and it was all about mm -hmm. the Goth Club and where the Goth Club would entice people into their VIP section and then uh, kill them and utilize their body parts to create artwork. Um, and there were several people who uh, came to us and said, "Hey, could could th could this be a film?" And I was like, "Yeah." I guess mm -hmm. it could be. Um, nobody ever really got behind it or got excited about it to, enough to, to actually produce it. But um, I think the idea of if you've got a strong concept and you know, I mean, you all know how important story is to me in a haunt anyway. So if you've got a full show Bible and you've got a full uh, history or mythology behind your haunt, uh, absolutely find ways to get it out there in different in different mediums. I think that's I think that's great. I I wish I had the the bandwidth to do it with some of the projects that I work on because I. I would love to see, I would love to see film versions of some of the, some of the stories that I've that I've created that we could actually live through. And the nice thing is, you know, to your point, in many in many cases, the haunt scenic that has been built is all mm -hmm. high high enough quality to make it a a film piece. Not that you would necessarily make the film about walking through the haunt, but you could use the individual scenes to create individual locations throughout the the uh, the film. So yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, we, um, and kind of on that note too, I have noticed a definite uptick in the number of haunts this season that are offering tours, which I think again, once you reach that point where your scenic is good, you know, it's at that level, that professional level where it, it you know, you're completely immersed in the environment. Um, then I think a tour is a good idea to show it off. Um, I think it's it's a, a great way to engage your super fans and it adds a velvet rope. And again, like 
you're always going to sell the tour because it's worth that person's time that they're taking a group of people through yep. and just talk about the haunt and the story. Yep. Uh, but we, we've seen uh, quite a few haunts pick that up uh, this year, in addition to Not Scary Farm, which is, you know, they, they, they haven't done one previously, but they did do one this year. And of course, Universal has had them forever. And of course, they sell out every year at Universal. <laughs> Well, and if you're going to do, you know, I it, again, there's always those the, the angst that certain creators have of I don't want to, I don't don't want them to walk through the the, the haunt yeah. with lights on, um, but <clears throat> instead of doing a lights on tour, I always suggest doing a lights up tour, where you can basically take your lighting, depending on what the uh, what the control mechanism is, take your lighting, bump it up a couple ticks, so that it's all it's exactly the same lighting, only brighter. So that you can do it as a, a walkthrough experience, you can talk about all the stuff, um, and then you can even sh you can even demonstrate the importance of lighting to a, a good haunted attraction. And the people who take these behind the scenes sort of lights on tours are looking for those kinds of uh, geeky little fun stuff. You know, it, yeah. it's like this this room looks like this when it's not lit, and it looks like this when it is. Yeah. Um, so that they can see how things must be painted. You know, it's 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 sort of like when people first learned that in in Psycho, the blood in the bathtub was chocolate syrup. You know, everybody was tickled by that. Um, yep. It's it's the same way of looking at a at a at a haunt room or a haunt scene and say, uh, yeah, this. Uh, well, I'll give you an exa a makeup example. Um, this this prosthetic makeup looks like there are brains oozing out of his head, which is actually done with a combination of latex and macaroni. So, you know, it's that kind of, of cool insight that when you see it, you can see it lit in a certain way. So it looks like brains and then you look, you put it under plain white light yeah. and you recognize, oh, nope, yep, that's macaroni. I get it. Well, and the last takeaway to close out here that I had was just seeing the amount of people that are doing a great job of utilizing their assets. And I think that we're going to see... I think we're going to see more and more the concept of Halloween shift. We've already talking about the family friendly and the pendulum coming back to that. And basically we've tried to get too extreme and now we're bringing back. So there's, there's all this happening, but I see people like the Tampa theater, which is really doing a tremendous job taking their theater and taking what they have and utilizing those assets, not just for, the regular, what you would expect, like Rocky Horror, but also for murder mysteries, for ghost tours, for all sorts of interactive experiences there. We see it even with USJ, where they're taking their their 40 theater and turning it into uh, kind of escape kind of puzzles and whatnot. I mean, I think even with uh, Elgin, we, we did a story with the, the Elgin city and they're taking their main street and turning it into a street festival with the twist that it is the zombie defense agency and it's kind of like the basically turning in their street into looking like the walking dead and they're having zombies that come and they kind of like uh gather around the edges of the safe zone which is the the block party is the safe zone so we have zombies on the edges so just really cool events like that that i think are going to shift halloween and kind of shift what we have known of it previously as like a traditional linear walkthrough haunt is not going to be the only game in town yeah and i think that i think as as so many times halloween is going to be the gateway to that for entertainment in general um you know i've often said that halloween haunted attractions is the gateway uh I, I use the term gateway drug for immersive theater. I think that mm -hmm. as the seasonal events go, so go more and more events that uh, may take place. You know, who knows? You may go into a village square to watch a piece of theater in the not too distant future. So 
be prepped for it because it could be really fun. All right. Well, those are our takeaways. This is our Halloween special. Boo. Um, happy Halloween, Philip. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. On behalf of Philip Francis and myself, Scott Swenson, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30. Happy Halloween and don't get too scared. See you next week. I gotta go poop. I'm kidding. <laughs> Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. We're counting down to Halloween with daily podcasts, videos, and events in our 61-day Hauntathon. Follow along at the link in our show notes. Our Hauntathon is made possible through generous support from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. See what you're missing with a free demo Sign up at gantum.com slash demo. That's gantum.com slash demo. Our Hauntathon team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Our partners for this year's Hauntathon include Sharp Productions, HorrorBuzz.com, ScareTrack, TheScareFactor.com, and Hauntopic Radio. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our weekly newsletter at hauntedattractionnetwork.com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.